Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and welcome to the analysis.news. In a few minutes, Sheer Hever will join us again to discuss the current situation in the Israeli onslaught against the Palestinian people in Gaza and the West Bank, and specifically the use of artificial intelligence to target uh, Hamas leaders, uh, militants, uh, without much uh, care for how many civilians get killed. In fact, some people uh, argue uh, killing civilians might even be part of the objective. I'll be back in just a minute. The magazine 972, which is an Israeli-Palestinian uh, magazine, news magazine published in, in Israel, and uh, as I say, with Palestinian journalists, uh, published an article very recently about the use of artificial intelligence to target Hamas uh, leaders, militants in Gaza, and the not only the use of AI, but the uh, willingness, policy even, to not care much about how many civilians are killed in the course of targeting the Hamas leaders, uh, and, and a great reliance on using AI to target an apartment building or, or a school or a hospital uh, with maybe 20 seconds of checking whether AI is actually telling you anything that makes any sense. So now joining us to discuss the article and, and what this means uh, and also the significance in terms of the South African uh, case of uh, accusing Israel of genocide uh, is Sheer Hever. Sheer, Sheer was born in Israel. Uh, he now works for BDS uh, in uh, Germany, and he is, uh, by training, a political economist. Thanks for joining us, Sheer. Thanks for having me, Paul. So, so tell us what's in the article, and then we can talk about what this means. Yeah, this is an article by Yuval Avraham, uh, who is a Jewish Israeli, by the way, uh, working for 972 magazine, a very serious investigative journalist who has uh, received uh, confidential information from anonymous sources, but these anonymous sources are high-ranking officers in the Israeli intelligence. And he has put a picture of how the targeting ac acquisition mechanism works for this particular uh, attack on Gaza Strip, which amounts to the crime of genocide. And, and I guess we'll get to that point of, of why is it relevant to talk about genocide in this context. And um, what he basically found out uh, from the testimonies of these officers is that uh, the Israeli normal mechanism of uh, acquiring targets by using military intelligence units that identify uh, so-called desirable targets, which means some, some high-ranking militant uh, or asset belonging to Hamas that they want to destroy or kill, uh, then um, making a certain calculation of what would be the collateral factor for that attack. The collateral factor means how many civilians are going to be killed for the sake of killing one person that, that you want to assassinate. Um, and normally, uh, they would have a collateral factor limited at about five. So five civilians uh, is okay to kill in order to kill one person who is suspected, I should say suspected, not convicted in a court, uh, of being a member of uh, Hamas. And uh, this ratio has been used in previous wars. Uh, but this time, they are using a different formula. First of all, uh, the officers are saying that they are horrified to discover that the um, ratio has risen uh, to almost 100, meaning that uh, an entire apartment building can be destroyed 
And sometimes what is the, the objected goal of destroying this building is not to kill some high-ranking Hamas officer, but just to cause panic and dismay and suffering among the civilian population as a way to pressure Hamas in a very um, tried and tested and always failed method of colonial violence. Um, and when you say officer, just, just to clarify a bit, uh, the journalist from 972 uh, states that he has talked to uh, intelligence and military uh, officials or yeah. soldiers who are actually involved in the targeting. So he's talking to people yeah. who are, are with direct knowledge of what's happening. And I should add to this, uh, uh, he was interviewed on CNN, uh, which to their credit gave him a fair amount of time to explain what was happening. Uh, and, and, and he is a quite a credible journalist. Yes. And uh, the interview in CNN, uh, he also gave an interview to Democracy Now! And, and his uh, position is very moral, very ethical. He's focusing on the needless killing of civilians and he's horrified by it and, and for very good reason. But I really think we should pay attention to something that came out of this article, which didn't receive enough attention, in my opinion, which is the fact that this is the first time in history that artificial intelligence has been weaponized and used as a weapon of war, where you have entire units of intelligence officers who used to produce about five to six targets per day, mainly these five or six uh, uh, Hamas officers or, or uh, militants that they wanted to, to kill and uh, to establish a certain uh, collateral factor for each target. Now there is an artificial intelligence tool that is manufacturing more than 100 per day. And this is what is enabling the Israeli military to carpet bomb the Gaza Strip. And uh, this is, first of all, unprecedented. But I also think that we have to understand how this technology works. Artificial intelligence is uh, sometimes seen as some kind of black box, something that we're not able to understand. But I, I do think that for our very safety, for our very understanding of, of what is happening to modern uh, warfare, we need to know. We need to know how this works. Uh, and the way that artificial intelligence allegedly works, uh, what the Israeli military is claiming also by trying to promote this as a, as a product, is to say, that the artificial intelligence is using facial recognition software in order to go over thousands of pictures and videos from uh, drones and from surveillance cameras in order to get an um, analysis of the, every centimeter of the Gaza Strip. And then they can say, here we have identified a certain target and we've also identified everyone around that target as a way to know how many civilians are there and what's the collateral factor. And very important uh, uh, factor to this is that they also claim to be able to uh, ass uh, assess how many possible Israeli hostages are in the area. That's very important that they say with facial recognition, we will be able to avoid accidentally bombing Israeli hostages in the Gaza Strip. So this is, this is what the product is that they're selling. Now, what we're really seeing on the ground is something completely different. What we see is, in fact, an artificial intelligence model, which is very similar to ChatGPT, this sort of language model, because it has some kind of conversation with the officer. The, the artificial intelligence gathers these pictures and creates a, creates a target, but then 
it begins the process of teaching itself. That's the whole idea of machine learning, of, of artificial intelligence that is teaching itself to see what kind of target would be more convincing for the soldier to squeeze the trigger. Because there's a soldier sitting on a cannon or, or a, a guiding a, a fighter plane um, to, to bomb a certain area. And the soldier receives the target from the artificial intelligence and has to make a decision, yes or no. That's those 20 seconds that you talked about. Sometimes it's less than 20 seconds, according to the testimonies of those soldiers. Basically, they, the artificial intelligence teaches itself how to condense the information in the most uh, abbreviated form and in the most uh, convincing form that the soldiers just don't bother reading everything and just squeeze the trigger right away. In, in a way, the manipulation here is uh, on the Israeli soldiers themselves. They are, be they are the weapons that are being utilized by the artificial intelligence to kill more people in Gaza. Uh, and this is really a, a very dangerous development. And I think it, it needs to be, if I'm understanding the technology correctly, um, AI does not have X-ray vision. They are going based on, you know, some photographs, some radar, uh, but it's probabilities. What they're really feeding the uh, whoever's going to actually fire, the soldier that's going to fire, is that there's a probability that so-and-so is in this building. It's not like there's some direct evidence necessarily, maybe sometimes, but if you're having so many targets, um, it's mostly probability. And so based on just probability, they're killing willingly killing hundreds of people in, in these attacks, each one of them. Um, yeah. And also anyone that's worked with AI and, and just on a text basis, and I've done quite a bit, um, it's amazing how accurate it is, it is most of the time. But it's also amazing how often it just makes shit up that's completely Utterly raw. In fact, they have a they have a term for it in the AI world called hallucinating. AI tends once in a while to out and out hallucinate stuff that has nothing to do with reality, and and it's being relied on for targeting. It does have one thing to do with reality, and that's the whole point. Because the way that artificial intelligence has been programmed is to study by interfacing with the user. So if the AI comes to the conclusion that hallucinating, telling you something you want to hear, something you want to see, will create a positive feedback. Then the, the AI is more likely to go in that path. And if uh, it's an uncomfortable truth that the AI is supposed to tell you, um, you, you notice that if you talk to, to ChatGPT, it will try to avoid giving you uncomfortable truth. It will try to, uh, if, if you try to tell uh, ChatGPT, I'm looking for a certain book on a certain topic, if that book doesn't exist, you're not going to get that answer. ChatGPT will, will invent a book just to, to give you what you want to hear, uh, even if that book was never written. Now, this is exactly how it works with uh, the bombing of Gaza, because as you say, AI doesn't have X-ray vision. Uh, and theoretically, the soldiers can vet all of the pictures that the AI is using to make a decision, to, target, to, to create the target. But as Yuval Vaham, the author of this article, says, the soldiers eventually... And because they, they lack patience, because they don't want to go through this very tedious pro process of vetting each and every picture, they end up just checking the gender of the main target. And if it's a woman, they don't shoot because they don't believe uh, that uh, it's, a, it's really a Hamas fighter. And if it's a man, they shoot without checking anything further. Now, this is something that uh, um, would, would just teach the AI to only sh always show a picture of a man. 
that's how you teach the AI to only show pictures of men. Uh, and and that is why if there is a man somewhere in the radius of the explosion, that's what the AI will focus on. And that's how the soldiers are, can be convinced. Now, I want to tie this to the issue of genocide because um, there's a lot of debate in the legal world about why did South Africa choose the crime of genocide, which is such a um, serious crime, at the focus of their uh, lawsuit at the International Court of Justice. And not just for, I mean, from a moral and ethical point of view, I think, of course, they, they were correct because this is what it is. But from a legal point of view, from a strategic point of view, you could say this is a crime that's difficult to prove. Uh, but I do think that one of the most important issues about proving a genocide is that societies that cross this red line from waging a war to committing genocide, they have to go through a process of getting their own soldiers to cross that red line. That, that is one of the most difficult things. If it was in Rwanda, where the Hutu has, have um, consistently called the Tutsi cockroaches in order to dehumanize them and to get the soldiers to uh, not see them as human beings because that's the only way you can get the soldiers to uh, kill um, just indiscriminately civilians. Uh, and um, the Nazis, of course, had very elaborate mechanisms of dehumanizing Jews, dehumanizing Sinti and Roma uh, as a way to to get the soldiers to obey orders and to do and to commit genocide it's very difficult uh, it's much more it's much easier to convince your soldiers to defend your own land uh, in in battle than than to go around killing soldiers and this is really the reason that israel needs artificial intelligence because from the point of view of the, of the soldiers they are getting a target and they're making a, an educated decision based on data which they're getting from the ai but if you go to Gaza and you look at on the ground, uh, as as the reporters in Gaza who are, who are dying every day, but but nevertheless continue to report, are reporting, this is just indiscriminate carpet bombing because you have these hundreds of soldiers, each one of them thinking that he's unique and and just got the best target, squeezes the trigger again and again and again. And I'm hearing reports from the Israeli artillery units. They have these M107 uh, cannons which have a rate of fire that allows them to shoot 500 uh, shells, 155 millimeter shells per 24 hours. And that's what they're doing. They're just... Well, isn't, isn't maybe the real point of AI is to give a fig leaf of justification for carpet bombing. In other words, instead of just calling it carpet bombing, we're claiming we're targeting. And this is now just collateral damage when we kill civilians. When the reality of it is the objective actually is to kill a lot of civilians and make Gaza completely, utterly unlivable. Um, and But you can say, oh, no, there was a Hamas leader well, in this building. Well, how do you know? Well, AI told us so. Uh, it, it's actually a fig leaf. But Yeah, but the fig leaf... Sorry, go ahead. For whom? for whom is this fig leaf intended? Because when, it, when the Israeli team has to defend themselves at the International Court of Justice, AI doesn't help them. They cannot go to the International Court of Justice and say, our AI told us that this is a Hamas leader. Because as these uh, intelligence officers told you, many times this so-called Hamas leader happens to be just a guy with a gun. That's enough. You know, that's all they can show. Um, and and uh, that certainly ju doesn't justify demolishing an entire apartment building with the people inside it. 
but uh, but that is what they're going to say. What else are they going to? I mean, what other defense? Yeah, they have? yeah, but uh, it's not going to help them. It's not going to help. It's not going to work. But for the soldiers, it does work. So the fig leaf is a manipulation. Absolutely, they are lying. They are using AI in order to manipulate people, but they're manipulating their own soldiers. The Israeli. This is the first war in Israel's history, in which the soldiers are completely banned from contacting their own families and friends uh, back home. And this has been now 101 days, so uh, or 102 or 3, depending on when you're going to, to broadcast this. Um, and this is, um, in, in, in this time, the soldiers cannot call their, their girlfriend, cannot call their parents, cannot tell them what's happening in Gaza, but even more importantly, they cannot hear what is what people hear back home who can watch the news and who can follow the situation. So it's not just to prevent the public from knowing what's happening in Gaza, but it's even more importantly to prevent the soldiers from knowing that the whole world is watching and calling what they're doing an act of genocide. And some soldiers who, buy, who received a little bit of leave, you know, it's, it's un, uh, not, not many received leave, to go and be with their family for, for a weekend or something, they exhibit uh, serious signs of PTSD. Because the, the reality just clashes completely with what they saw on the ground in Gaza. There's a, two other parts to this, I think, which I don't think get discussed enough. Uh, Netanyahu and the Israeli propagandists, uh, they try to compare what they're doing to what the uh, British and the Americans did in Germany, the firebombing of Hamburg or the American firebombing uh, of uh, Dresden, Japanese cities, and then eventually an atomic bomb. Uh, which, which also had a fig leaf of military target. But we know, without question, both of these things were done to try to break the morale of either the German people or the Japanese people, which means the civilians were the targets. And that is a war crime. So if, if Israel wants to compare what they're doing to that, then they're comparing war crime to war crime. This doesn't let them off the hook. Um, and then there's another even uh, more extenuating piece, if you will, which is... The uh, British and Americans, vis-a-vis -vis Germany or the Americans with Japan, they were at war with another state. And maybe you can make some kind of argument uh, that, you know, the populations of those states maybe in some perverted way are targets. But Gaza's not a state. Uh, Gaza's under occupation. And my understanding of international law is you cannot uh, attack the population of a place that's under your occupation. Uh, the the attack against the Israelis on October 7th, which was a, a terrorist and uh, murderous attack, and use any adjectives you want, uh, I, I, I condemn it. But this was not an act from a state. And, and, and the, to attack the population of Gaza, uh, when you're the occupying power, it has no basis in international law, as far as far as I understand it. Yeah, well, let's. I, I'm not the, the best person to talk about international law. I mean, to my understanding, it's also very much illegal to tell the population of Gaza you have 24 hours to leave the northern part of Gaza, and everyone who stays behind will be killed. Uh, that's also something that uh, not not the United States nor Great Britain uh, or or any of those examples did as part of their um, fighting, in uh, whether it was against Germany or Japan or whatever. Um, but I do think that it is interesting um, 
from the point of view, especially the, the use of the atomic bomb on, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that's a very good example because uh, the, the American administration at the time knew that they cannot just send a, a pilot with an atomic bomb to destroy a civilian city. They had to lie to the pilot. They had to lie to the um, mathematicians von Neumann and Rogenstern, uh, who later uh, established the RAND Corporation, uh, and told them, we need you to develop a model using game theory in order to find which uh, targets would be least defended by air defense systems in Japan. And they came up with the cities of, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, but without being told what was the real purpose of this uh, experiment, of, the, of this uh, mathematical exercise. Um, because because I think also the, the American administration understood you cannot expect people to commit atrocities on their own. You have to lie to them and manipulate them. Uh, so so that's a very interesting example here. But, you know, when you say um, Hamas is not a state, a lot of Israelis would say this is just, um, you know, a technical issue because uh, if Hamas is so strong and if we are so much afraid and we have to defend ourselves and all that, then... Um, uh, we, we should fight with all our force to, to survive. And this sort of argument, which they tried to use also at the International Court of Justice, um, is based on, on a fantasy, on a hallucination, as if the population of, as if, as if Hamas can be defeated by killing a lot of children and a lot of um, unarmed civilians, and that will somehow um, weaken Hamas, and it doesn't. And in fact, just look at the rate of casualties on the Israeli army. For 100 days, they, they're being killed every day in Gaza by Hamas fighters, not by innocent uh, uh, defenseless civilians. They're being killed by Hamas fighters uh, who keep controlling all these tunnels and keep have access to enough weapons and enough petrol and everything they need in order to uh, continue their, their uh, fighting against the Israeli military. And the Israeli army failed to rescue any any uh, of the hostages. They failed to um, target or, or assassinate even one of uh, uh, the leaders of Hamas in Gaza. They only uh, assassinated one in Lebanon. But in Gaza, they, all of this bombing has achieved nothing uh, except killing a lot of civilians. So that is also a hallucination. That is also a lie. Uh, and and there's no number of thousands of families who will be um, trapped under the rubble, dying slowly, um, and and prevented from being rescued by the Israeli military. That will make Israel win this war. Did the uh, test, uh, not testimony, but the statements of the South African attorneys at the uh, uh, trial or the court uh, was any of that shown on Israeli television and and if if yes, would it have any effect on people? Because it was it was quite eloquent and and powerful what was said there. It was not. <laughs> Sadly, it was not. And the the Israeli defense was shown, so the responses were shown, but not the actual accusations. Uh, and and you hear so many uh, cries uh, of of uh, indignation from the Israeli public, from journalists, from politicians, calling it a blood libel. Because how can you say that the uh, state of Israel is, is uh, killing children? And they are killing a lot of children. 
and 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 how can you um, do this to the Jewish people when it was in fact uh, almost the second sentence uh, uttered by the uh, legal team of Israel and the International Court of Justice uh, that in fact the whole convention for the prevention of genocide was was uh, um, for Jews and it belongs to Jews and therefore Israel is above the law and and, and it cannot be targeted by this convention. Um, I mean, this is a, a very. This is the sort of argument you hear on on Israeli um, media, but I am um, I am a little bit uh, taken aback by listening carefully to what I hear on Israeli media, and I'm following very closely, where they are actually admitting each and every element in the accusation of uh, the South African legal team. They're saying yes, there were calls for genocide, and yes, there was targeting of of civilians. And use of starvation as a weapon. This is something that you can actually see in the Israeli media. But if you would put all these things together and you'd say, well, did Myanmar commit genocide against the Rohingya? Then the Israelis would say, well, absolutely. One, two, three. This is, this is how genocide is defined. But they, they recognize the one, two, three that Israel is committing, but are not able to reach the same conclusion. The AI systems we uh, have been talking about, are they Israeli manufactured, designed? I don't believe so. I don't. It be, in fact, there was this index of uh, which countries have the most uh, advanced artificial intelligence technologies in the world. Israel was lagging behind, very low, uh, even below uh, the United Arab Emirates, and and because uh, the the Israeli high tech, so called high tech miracles, really uh, about d- developed as a weapon of oppression against Palestinians. And artificial intelligence is a, is a different technology. They just don't have it. Do we know where they're getting it from? So that, that this is a very big question. I had some suspicions that the Nimbus project, which is a project by Amazon and by Google, uh, providing a cloud services to the Israeli military, uh, might also be providing artificial intelligence services. Uh, but I haven't found proof of this yet. So I, I'm not making the accusation as of, at this point. But then... The company Palantir, which uh, you may know by, by Peter Thiel, uh, the big Trump supporter, a company that is already well known for its uh, technology of surveillance and oppression, uh, announced officially that they have signed a contract with the Israeli military for providing mili- artificial intelligence. They're not saying that it's artificial intelligence for the purpose of acquiring targets, but I think that they are r- right now the prime suspects as who is providing this technology. All right. Thanks very much here. So uh, we'll pick this up again soon. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Don't forget, the, if you come over to the website, get on the email list if you're not on it. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, and you can always hit the donate button if you're so moved. Thanks again.